Coming back to you here on KDUS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And we pop on out to the KDUS hotline now to extend our NFL conversation. We're joined by Eric Edholm with NFL Media. Eric, Bob, and Kayla, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We're doing fantastic. and No major complaints. Plenty to get into, though, with you uh, around the NFL with franchise tag deadline yesterday, quarterbacks on the move. But we have to take advantage of your skill set and following the college-ranked players as well. So let's start with the NFL combine. And, of course, that quarterback position is always much discussed. It looks like Bryce Young measured in 5'10", 204 pounds. C.J. Stroud had precision, accuracy in his throwing portion of the combine. Combine. Will Levis's arm was, of course, much talked about. So from your standpoint, who and what stood out to you uh, from the quarterbacks at the Combine? Yeah, the big talk of the week was was Anthony Richardson out of Florida. And, and you know, I, I put him back in August, I'd put him on my list of, of the top prospects to watch just because, you know, even with 66 attempts prior to last season, I mean, this was a, a physical specimen who was impossible to ignore. And you could see in his brief time uh, in the 2021 season, how gifted he could be. And he, de- he definitely backed it up at times last year, although inconsistently. It wasn't, you know, a, a refined passing performance during the year. Um, you know, his running ability speaks for itself. I think he had six runs of, you know, 50 yards or longer or whatever. It was crazy. Uh, he's, he's able to stress defenses immediately. So he's, in my mind, uh, you know, he has plug-and-play ability as a runner. And if you can kind of walk him through some of the you know passing concept stuff, because I think what they ran in Florida will be different than what he does in the NFL. But he was definitely the buzz guy down there with Young not throwing, with, you know, C.J. Stroud looking, lacking that, that super strong arm and, and rare athleticism. I just think he's a darn good quarterback. But uh, Levis a little inconsistent early throwing the ball, didn't, didn't run, so we don't really have the full athletic profile on him. But Richardson certainly generated a lot of buzz. I don't know that he's going to go vastly higher than he did entering the combine, but it but it it may you know coax the team into to moving up a little higher than they normally would have otherwise. Who were some players, just you know, no matter what the position, who you were pleasantly surprised at the combine, and maybe a couple of players that disappointed you or did less than you thought they might do. Yeah, that's a good question. There were there were a lot that probably fit that 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 description. I mean, Jack Campbell, the linebacker at Iowa, didn't know he was quite as athletic as he was. A couple of the tight ends even tested better than I expected as well. And it's a it's a great year to need a tight end. It's a strong class in that group. And um, you know, watching guys like Bijan Robinson and, and Jameer Gibbs in the running back drills and their testing numbers certainly were were sufficient, more than sufficient in some cases. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate about Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia, you know, running a 4-3-9 official time, which is exceptional. You just don't see 240-pound uh, people run that fast very often. But, you know, there's still a debate about him as a player. He's coming off the peck injury, missed half the season last year, would be undersized as a rusher. There aren't that many guys, uh, you know, Hassan Reddick, obviously you guys are familiar with over the years. That's you know, his best hope is to be that kind of a player. Um, and he's got to be cast right. Of course, you know, Reddick was a little bit misused early in his career until they figured out, yeah, he's best on the edge, attacking the quarterback, pinning his ears back as he did in college. So 
I think that's going to be true for Smith too, but you know, not every single player in that mold makes it work or guys like Vic Beasley have one great season and then kind of fall off. So he's another one that, you know, I'm, I'm curious to find out if he'll match his athletic testing with his play in the NFL. Having a conversation here with Eric Edholm, NFL Media on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. From a defensive side of the ball, you had Nolan Smith running a 4-3-9. You still have Will Anderson. Then you had the off-the-field issues for Jalen Carter uh, come to light. How do you assess this pass-rushing group and Will Carter's involvement in the reckless driving and racing drop him in the draft? I think it's a pretty good defensive draft. I mean, you know, I think that the three names at the top, or at least the ones that I would put at the top, and we'll put Carter's issues to the side for a minute, but it would be uh, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and Tyree Wilson in some order. You know, I mean, different teams will have different opinions on that. Uh, Carter, more of a three-technique interior presence. Anderson, more of a kind of a true stand-up rusher. He can also get down in a three-point stance. Uh, Tyree Wilson's sort of a, a hybrid of the two, if you will. He can reduce down inside and passing downs. He can also stand up and rush. He can uh, he's more of a 275-pound rusher, long-limbed guy. Uh, Will Anderson's a little bit more average size in that regard, but his play strength and tenacity are fine. I think all three guys could end up being really good. You know, Carter's like, – there was some character digging on him to begin with prior to to his involvement in the, uh, the car accident, the fatal accident, uh, killing two people part of the Georgia program there. Um, you know, we're, we're still trying to kind of gather the details of, of how much involvement he had. We know he's already misled police, if not once, uh, then possibly twice, which raised some red flags, you know, accountability and uh, obviously any kind of legal trouble that stems from that. We know he's, he's going to have a court date here. But um, at the end of the day, I, I think a lot of teams will end up being comfortable with what they hear. Disappointed, but but comfortable enough to feel like their pre-draft, you know, or their, their pre-sort um, of character stuff scouting report uh, is going to be the, you know, the, the tipping point. I think that's ultimately the thing because he could be a Quinn and Williams type of player, you know, who's become a really good interior presence for the Jets. And, you know, he was taken at number three in the draft when he came out in 2018. So, you know, I, I suspect Carter is going to go somewhere in that same range top five, top six picks, unless more comes out as the, the digging continues uh, on him as a person. You mentioned Bijan Robinson. He's an Arizona kid. He's a running yeah. back. So how early might he be selected? Well, yeah, I get that, that, that positionally running back is farther down the chain. Um, you know, I think the, the run game is cycling back into the NFL. It looks a little different than it used to. It's no longer the – the bell cow back carrying the ball 300 plus times as often, but you still do have Derrick Henry's out there. You still do have Josh Jacobs out there. You have teams that are, you know, willing and, and, and ready to commit to the run game. Maybe they've got an athletic quarterback. Maybe they have a young passer that they want to kind of help, or maybe their team is just built that way. Plus as defenses go smaller, more nickel and dime, you know, offenses are going to counter with, with bigger bodies and, and more run games. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know that he's ever going to have a Ladanian Tomlinson-like career, but he can be that type of a player. I think his his pass-catching ability is a little bit undersold. Great on screens and wheel routes and different stuff. They sent him on a couple posts this year, too. 
Um, and he certainly can do work both between the tackles and outside the tackle. Unusual jump cut ability, great creativity. He's he's the total package as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, I mean, you guys saw what was he player of the year two years in Arizona as a high school player, and uh, yeah. just a phenomenal talent who I, I think if used right can be even better than what we've seen from Saquon Barkley to this point in his career. Did anyone or anything that take place at the NFL Combine kind of change your mind or perception that you had heading into the draft, or I'm sorry, into the Combine, and now that we're sitting here a couple of days removed, uh, you have a different opinion? Yeah, a little bit. I think it's a little more talented a group that I realized. I, I, I kind of went into the draft, or into the Combine, I should say, thinking, you know, overall, this is kind of a C-plus draft. You know, average, maybe a little above average, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, wasn't as enamored uh, as some other people were. But once I kind of was able to get a 30,000-foot view, I guess, of the class and get more information from the combine, both athletic testing numbers and on-field work and also, you know, talking to people behind the scenes about what they learned in interviews and the medical information and all that, I think it's a little stronger than that. I don't know if this is going to be, you know, a banner class like the year we had with, you know, the quarterbacks going high a couple of years ago, Kyle Pitts and all those, uh, you know, a tremendous Jamar Chase and whatnot. I don't think this is that kind of draft, but I do think that it's a very solid draft in a lot of positions. Cornerback and edge are two needy ones, offensive tackle. You know, those are pretty high premium positions. Steven quarterback has some intriguing options, I think, way more than last year. So, you know, on the whole, even with some some spots that are a little thinner than others, linebacker, maybe safety, you know, interior offensive line drops off considerably after a certain point. I, I think it's I'm starting to believe that it's a little stronger than I realized before. All right. So the combine also is like the smoke fest between you know, agents throwing out stuff, trying to get their players in a higher position in the draft or teams trying to mislead their, you know, their, their adversaries and what they might do in the draft. So the Cardinals have been involved in all kinds of, you know, trade rumors here. You know, what do you think they might do with the third pick? And DeAndre Hopkins seems highly likely to be traded at some point. What might they get for him? Yeah, good question. I mean, uh, the first part with the number three pick, I mean, I think it's a good thing that guys like Richardson uh, generated some buzz and Stroud had as a strong a session as he did because we're starting to feel like, hey, is it possible that four quarterbacks could go in the top seven picks or nine picks or something like that? Yeah, and that's actually never happened before. Even the year we had the, the five first-rounders uh, a couple years ago, Justin Fields, the fourth quarterback, wasn't taken until number 11. So the fact that they're getting pushed up, I think, increases the value of that Cardinals pick at number three. If they want to stay and take one of those elite defenders, God bless them. I think that would be, you know, a, a smart building block move. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon understands the, the importance of a good defensive front and he'll have his pick, right? He can choose which body type and, and talent he wants. But there's also the opportunity to maybe slide back a couple picks and get either the same player or a very similar player. So that has to be awfully tempting to the Cardinals. As far as what Hopkins might get in a trade, I think it helps that the draft is a little thinner, at least at the top, at wide receiver. Um, yeah, there's some free agent options out there, some interesting ones. But, you know, DeAndre has a lot of fans in the league. You know, we, we even saw the, 
you know, the Bill Belichick clip that got a lot of traction in New England when he was sort of praising him before the game. This is Bill's done this before where he kind of does it at Pro Bowls and things like that and ends up finding a way to trade for the player. But I don't know if that's going to happen in New England. You know, I don't know uh, where he's, you know, what, what the, the story is on a percentage of whether he's going to be traded or not. But I think, like you said, it's probably high. If I had a guess, second-round pick might get it done. That's just my feeling based on his age. You know, some of the time he's missed the last couple of years, you know, never been a speed player. So, you know, obviously his craftiness and his uh, body control is really kind of what his game is. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I could see it being less than a first-round pick, but I think there will be some teams that are interested in adding, you know, arguably one of the best possession receivers of the last uh, you know, generation of football. Eric Edholm, NFL Media here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. On to some franchise tag discussion. Six teams use the tag. And, uh, of course, we have to ask you and start with Lamar Jackson. The Ravens use the non-exclusive tag, so Lamar will be allowed to uh, look for other opportunities elsewhere. And if the Ravens don't match that offer, they would receive two first-round picks. So, First of all, what is the market really like for Lamar Jackson, and are we headed down a path where Lamar isn't a Raven? Yeah, I mean, obviously them putting the non-exclusive tag on Jackson versus the exclusive, which would prevent anyone from talking to him, you know, is a gamble. It's a risk. They're letting Lamar kind of find out what his value is. And it was a little bit surprising that within an hour of, of that announcement yesterday, it seemed like, I don't know, half a dozen teams said, we're out, we're not in. Now, some of that may be a smokescreen, too, where you say, oh, you know, we're not we're not interested in Lamar, just like, you know, Stalin wasn't interested in Berlin, right? You know, I mean, he wasn't going to go after <laughs> Berlin, you know? So it happens, right? I mean, people can, can mislead with things like this. Like you said, it's kind of lying season in the NFL anyway, but um, it's not really clear what team might step up. Is there somebody kind of lying in the weeds a little bit who's, monitoring the situation and perhaps hoping to, you know, swoop in. I don't think the, 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 the draft pick cost is that much at all. You know, we, we see teams all the time trade two first-rounders to move up in the draft to get a higher pick in that draft to, to take a quarterback who's never set foot in an NFL field. So if you feel good about Lamar's health and durability, which have, you know, come into some question in the last couple of years, um, and you feel like the price tag is manageable, that's the big question, obviously, then two first-rounders should should not be prohibitive towards a deal. I mean, you can make that happen, but what's he asking for? Is it 100% guaranteed? Is it more guaranteed money total than what Deshaun Watson got? I mean, that, that deal alone has changed the face of NFL negotiations for the foreseeable future. So a lot of unknowns, you know, and he doesn't have an agent, so this is – you know, he and possibly his mother and other members of the family kind of working to see what they can do. And, yeah, that door is open for him to leave Baltimore, but he may find out that his value isn't quite what he thought it was. Derek Carr headed to New Orleans. So the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, uh, where are we at with that? Are they kind of up against it now, the Jets? Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like the options for both the Jets and Rodgers are – pretty narrow you know they, whether the Jets put on the full court press or not for Carr remains to be seen I don't think they did it certainly feels like they had a number at which they liked them 
And if it went over that number by a, by a dollar or a cent, they were ready to move on and go to possibly their plant A, which is Aaron. And um, you would assume, at least, the way they've handled this so far. Because um, quarterbacks don't enter the market very often prior to free agency. The car situation was a little bit unusual. And, you know, the Saints saw the opportunity. They took it. He's probably the best quarterback in the NFC South. You can understand why they'd make that move. I think that the Jets and Woody Johnson specifically, the owner, probably feels like, look, I've got this young, exciting team. We had one of the best draft classes in recent memory uh, of any team in the NFL. I mean, this is a banner group, right, with Soft Gardner and uh, Wilson, rookie of the year. Brees Hall could have been rookie of the year. Several other contributors. Let's put it all together with a Hall of Fame quarterback. But, you know, anyone who watched the, the Brett Favre situation in New York play out knows that not that easy doesn't always work so i don't know i mean it certainly feels like this is the way this this arranged marriage is going to go but will it work i don't know there's just a lot of a lot of unknowns in that equation and and a lot of finger crossing might have to go as far as how it works for a, a 39 year old quarterback who likes things a certain way Eric, before we let you go here, how surprising for the Super Bowl champion Chiefs here, releasing Frank Clark and not franchise tagging Orlando Brown? I wasn't stunned by either one. I thought Clark, you know, there was a chance they could redo his deal and keep him around. I mean, you know, he sort of gained this reputation as being a January and sometimes February hero. I mean, he saved his best work for the playoffs, and it's come in handy, you know, in, in two Super Bowl titles for them. And, you know, I don't – That one didn't really shock me. I think with Brown, the thinking was it was just going to be a little higher than they wanted to pay for what they got out of him this year. I think he was okay. I don't know that he was great. I think they expected to see a little bit more from him this season. And so, you know, it opens up a hole at left tackle, obviously. But I think the Chiefs feel like they're almost playing with house money to a certain degree and and know how much Patrick can make up for – the lack of, you know, an elite blocker up there. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll be curious to see what direction they head. They could bring him back, too. I mean, that's the thing. They still could re-sign him. But if he walks, obviously that's a pretty uh, pretty noticeable hole up front. Absolutely. Eric, we greatly appreciate you taking some time with us, and we will certainly be doing this again uh, down the road. Looking forward to it. See ya. That's Eric Edholm there, NFL Media.